0: I'm Caesar, one of the pastors here, and also the pastor for Celebrate Recovery. It's a blessing to be here with you. Uh, this morning, um, before I get started with the message, just a little bit about celebrate recovery. One of the things I love about First Methodist uh, Mansfield is that th- that we do have uh, a ministry that speaks to uh, the hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our lives, and and I thank uh, God for the leadership uh, that helps support that ministry. And I'm so excited. Um, that we have not only Celebrate Recovery for the adults, but we also have it for the teenagers and for um, our children. Pastor Amanda, she's here. Uh, She leads the teenagers and and that worship service on Thursday nights. And I love the fact that um, we have... Um, built um, and we have built into um, our into what we do here a spiritual restru- a spiritual response to the hurts the habits, and the hang ups that we experience in our life, and not just a spiritual response but a response that is christian um, that helps us to call uh, on the name of Jesus uh, when we're faced with um, the difficult challenges in our life and i thank thank God for that you know not not to say anything bad about um, secular twelve step Programs or or uh, ministries that are that are going on because those are just as important. They still get the same outcomes. But I think that it's important. And I always say this all the time that if you can name your demons. You ought to be able to name your higher power. And I don't know about, I don't know for you, but I know for me, being able to to call my higher power and name Jesus as my higher power um, is important. I love Celebrate Recovery for that fact that it's unapologetically Christian, that um, there's no ends, ifs, buts about it, that if there's a demon in your life, then there's an answer, which is Jesus Christ. And so we thank God uh, for that. As we... um, Prepare uh, for this message. I want to draw um, this sermon uh, from the, uh, Matthew 4 1 and uh, 11. So, will you join me um, and prepare your hearts as we now listen uh, for a word from God? <clears throat> then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And all this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and you can all respond by saying, Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we come now before you in the humblest way. We know how. We pray now, one more time, that you would rescue me from me and rescue all of us from ourselves. We pray that you would hide me and hide all of us behind your cross. And then, God, that we may see you lifted up and glorified. And we pray that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and let them be holy and acceptable in your righteous sight. That, God, we may always hear a word from you And then, God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue our sermon series, The Elephant in the Room, and what gets in the way of our spiritual growth and our relationship with God and each other, I think it's important that we as a people of faith always find ways to faithfully talk about and deal with those things that come between our relationship with God and with each other. Thus, I believe that it's important to deal with the elephants in the rooms of our lives because if we don't pay attention to them and deal with them, they will ultimately draw our focus away from the main thing that Jesus has called all of us to, which is to love God with our heart, mind, body, and soul, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves, to focusing our attention and our our, our our attention on unfaithful and idolatrous things that cannot sustain our life, with God and each other. Therefore, it's important that if we're going to fully live out our faith, and if we're going to be the prophetic, faith-filled community that God is calling us to be in a world that so desperately needs to know the transformative love of Christ, then it's important that we do the faithful work, that we do the faithful work of confronting and dealing with those elephants in the rooms of our lives so that we can all live. John eight thirty two says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Thus, dealing with the elephants, in essence, is dealing with the truth. And dealing with the truth always, always, always leads to life. Also, let me say that I know that confronting issues, particularly when we know that they are going to cause a lot of, cause a lot of pain, is not, is not an easy thing to do. And that, that, it, that there lies in each one of us a temptation to let things go. However, if we're going to be all that God is calling us to be, then it's important that we deal with the stuff that blocks our movement towards God and one another and that we lean into our problems and not away from our problems because when we lean away from our problems, we are in essence supporting a lie. Romans 6, 12, and 13 says this, "'Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies.'" so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been bought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So when we fail to address, when we fail to address those problem issues, when we fail to address evil, when we fail to address the elephants in the rooms of our lives, we are in essence setting ourselves up for agreement with that evil. That's it's always important that we as a people of faith always address those things and situations that stand in the way of truth Love and faith. I like this passage that comes from the book of Solomon. Uh, and, it, and, and the book of Solomon is a book that really represents the love story and, 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 and of, of love letters and, and messages from a lover to, to another lover. But it also represents God's love for humanity. And I, I love this particular passage that comes from Solomon uh, 2.15, and it says this. It says, my dove in the cliff of the rock the hiding place on the mountainside. Show me your face, let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch us, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, our vineyard that are in bloom. In other words, if love and grace is going to grow and thrive in our lives, and in our relationships with God, and in our relationship with each other, then it's important that we faithfully and truthfully deal with the elephants that exist in our life. Also, as we look at the passage, the passage highlights and reminds us that while our battles may be physical or may have a physical component to it, they are ultimately, at the end of the day, spiritual battles in nature. Because how we deal with our problems, how, how, we, how we deal with our problems or our unwillingness to deal with our problems reflect where we place our trust and where we, and where we tr- place our belief and our spiritual faith in. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 6, 22 and 24, where Jesus says these words, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness?' No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and man. In other words, you cannot serve both the spiritual and the material. Thus, I would submit to you that facing our elephants, while it may have a lot to do with our physical being and situation, how we choose to respond or not respond is always always a spiritual issue. So our choice, our choice to confront our problems or not confront our problems is always a spiritual matter and tells us where we place our trust. Now many of you know that I am the pastor of Celebrate Recovery and here at our church um, and and get a, a wonderful opportunity to lead this ministry. And while you may know that Celebrate Recovery began as an effort to support Christian people who struggle with addiction to alcohol and narcotics, the ministry is much more expansive in the sense that it seeks to support and speak to all those things that people of faith are addicted to. So while this ministry began as a support ministry to help people deal with addiction to alcohol and narcotics, it has grown in scope to support those faithful believers that struggle with anything that hinders their relationship with God and each other. Because like the founder of Celebrate Recovery, John Baker, uh, he himself, who's a pastor and struggles with alcohol, has come to know that any addiction, no matter what it is, will become a barrier to our relationship with God and each other. Likewise, as I talk about Celebrate Recovery and addiction, I think you should also know that I struggle with my own addiction to codependency. And while I've done a lot of work to deal with the pains of this spiritual disorder, I know if I don't confront and deal with my issues on a daily basis, my relationship with God and with those I love will be hindered. So while my struggle has not been with alcohol or narcotics, my struggle is a spiritual struggle nonetheless because codependency has been for me that thing that I use unfaithfully to cope with my feelings of inadequacy and toxic shame. So just like the alcoholic before I can truly grow, I know that I must have a full relationship with God. I know that I have to deal with the elephant in the room and confront those negative narratives in my head and the unfaithful ways I have learned to deal with them. Because if I don't, I know that I will sell my soul to the lowest bidder for conditional approval that never satisfies the deepest longings of my soul. So likewise, as I struggle with addiction to codependency, I know as a pastor that we all struggle with some sort of addiction, that we struggle with some sort of addiction and, and act in unfaithful ways and place our trust in things that cannot satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. We do this because we are human. We do this because we are physical beings. We do this because we live in physical bodies. We do this because it's easy. Romans 3:22 and 23 says this, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One of my mentor pastors, Zan Holm, used to always say, from the pulpit to the pew, we all got sin in our life. We all got something that we're struggling with. We all have something that, that we have a hang-up about. We all got something. There, there ain't no big I's, little U's. There's, there's not somebody that's got more holiness than the other. I don't care how much Jesus you got in your life. You could be glowing and walking by and have the biggest anointing and bloom flowers when you walk by. You still got something in your life. And if we don't deal with the brokenness, if we don't deal with the brokenness, if we don't deal with the brokenness, we surely won't be all that God has called us to be. So, how do we, how do we, how do we now move to a place where we can deal with the addictions that we have in our life? We all have addictions. And, How do we get to the point where we can deal with the addictions in our life, or better yet, how we said in Celebrate Recovery, how do we begin to deal with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups so that we can be all that God has called us to be? How can we move to a place where we get to use our prophetic gifts so that that God's presence is made known in the world and the stuff that blocks it all the time is is dealt with and, and God's presence is known? How do we move to that place? The first thing that we must do if we're going to deal with our addictions is to let go of the ego and embrace the truth of who we are. The ego is the false self that was developed when we were first spiritually wounded. And it is the thing that keeps us stuck with the lie of who we are. One of the things that I love about Celebrate Recovery is that we identify ourselves by gratefulness. We identify ourselves by gratefulness. So we we worship every every Thursday. We're, 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 we're over in the well and we have worship service. And Larissa leads uh, our worship service and we have small groups and, and and there are folks that come from different places um uh from 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 different churches that come and, and celebrate along with folks that, that are members here at the church and we celebrate Every Thursday. And if, if you ever come and I hope that you will will, will come you're you're always welcome. Um, and and if you come you will you'll hear me say as I step up, I'm Caesar Renty, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with codependency. We do that for two reasons. The first is to to acknowledge that we are grateful and that there is a higher power in Jesus Christ in our life. And the second thing is to deal with the ego that so easily besets us. To deal with that ego, to, to, to really confront the egos in our lives, to help us to always know that we need God's help in our life. Because I know... I know as a person of faith who struggles with codependency and have my own anxieties and struggles, I know that I can be unfaithful in this journey to protect this body of mine. That I am always making the decision how I'm going to make sure that I'm all right. That is my greatest temptation. And because I know that that's my temptation, I need Jesus in my life every day. Romans 7:18 says this, indeed I know that good that that nothing that good does not live in me. That is my sinful nature. The desire to do good is present with me, but I am not able to carry it out. And then the first step that says this, we admit that we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors that our lives have become unmanageable. Thus, confronting our egos and the false pride that we use to protect our vulnerable and wounded spirit is the first thing that we must do to gain healing and wholeness in our lives and to gain right relationship with God and to gain right relationship with each other. The second thing is that we, we, must, we must find a loving community that sees us for who we are. That we must find a loving community that sees us for who we are. Principle five says this. We admit it to God and to to another person, another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. And then James five, sixteen says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. One of the things I love about celebrate recovery is that it is about community. We already know that we can't do this on our own. The reason why our alcoholism, the reason why our, our, our need for narcotics, the reason why we have spent our times working our fingers to the bone, the reason why we use religion the way we did, the reason why we did all the things we did because, because we were trying to do it on our own. We've come to know that we could not heal ourselves on our own and that we needed to do it in community. One of the things that we do in Celebrate Recovery is that we have small groups. We have opportunities to come and go to those small groups and then we take these 12 steps and the eight principles and and we look at those eight principles in conjunction with our life. And we do that in small group. And I always tell people, I said, when we we do step studies and we're always taking names uh, for people to sign up because I want to have step studies going on all the time. Because when we're in step studies, we're actually doing grace work. That we're allowing ourselves for the first time, maybe for the first time, to talk about the woundedness in our life to talk about the stuff that brought us shame, to talk about the toxic narrative that plays itself over and over and over in our head, to talk about all of those things that get in the way in loving community and then realize that there are people just like us who struggle with the same thing. And I always tell people, I said, once we we do that in community, once we do that in community, we not only get to experience grace there, but we get to simultaneously experience God's grace. We get to finally hear that I love you no matter what. When we tell our darkest secrets, when we tell our deepest pains, and the people that are in that room don't leave us, we get to experience grace in that moment. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, we have to let go of the go it alone mentality, take up some courage, and form community with one another, and know that we all have our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. The third thing if we're going to be all that God's calls to be, if we're going to really deal with the elephants in the room, we're going to deal with our addictions. The third thing that we need to be able to do is that we have to, we have to find faithful ways to cope that allow us to feel. That we have to find faithful ways of coping that allow us to feel. I mean, one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why our addictions get out of control is because we spend so much time trying not to feel. We spend so much time trying to take the edge off. We don't want to feel bad. And I get it. I understand it. We don't want to feel bad. And we spend so much time trying to to take away that pain. But the problem is, is that when we take away that pain, when we try not to feel, when we try not to feel the bad stuff, we take away the joy and the, the ability to feel the good stuff that we can't not selectively necessitize the pain in our life, that we can't choose to just numb one part of our lives and the rest of our life we get to experience. If we want to be full and whole and if we want to live as God called us to, that we have to allow ourselves to feel, that we have to do it in community, that, that we have to allow ourselves to feel bad so that we can also feel good, that we are all finding ways to cope. One of the things about Celebrate Recovery is that we, we not only do we have Celebrate Recovery for the adults, but we have Celebrate Recovery for the kids and, and for our teenagers. And I love the fact that we have Celebrate Recovery for our kids and teenagers because it begins to teach our kids how to cope in faithful ways. You know, um, science already says it. It says if you can teach a child early on ways of coping and dealing with anxiety, that when they become an adult, they will learn how to cope and deal with anxiety and fears in their life for the rest of their lives. So I love it for that fact that we are setting them up. But it's consistent with the Bible because the Bible says raise up a child in the way it should go, and when it gets old, it will not depart from it. So we're, we're 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 teaching from the very get-go that 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 coping and feeling pain also allows us to feel full joy in our life. And here's the thing, we're all coping, we're all finding ways to cope. We're all finding ways to cope. We're either using the bottle or we're smoking or we're doing something to find ways to cope with the pain in our lives or we're praying. You know, I go in every once in a while, once a year I try to go out and I I try to see my kids, um, you know, in in college. And and I remember the first year that I I went out to to go see Kara and I, I got out and called Kara and I told her, I said, I'm in town, you know, just daddy check. I got to see what's going on. You know, I got to be the daddy, you know, what's going on, what's going on up here. And I need to find my, you're studying all that stuff. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I get, you know, I, I, I pick Kara up, and then, you know, we have a wonderful evening, you know, and we go to dinner, and, and you know, and then I, you know, I get her uh, back to the dorm, and so park the car, and so, you know, I walk her to the dorm room because I want to meet her roommates and all that stuff, so as we're walking to the dorm, and we get close to the dorm, I smell something strange that smells like marijuana, and so, you know, I smell that, and then I just stop for a second because the daddy comes out in me, and I look around, and I'm trying to see who's got a strange look and a strange smell. And daddy, and Carol looks at me, and she's like, "Daddy, daddy, daddy." And I said to her, I said, "Is that what I think it is?" And she was like, um, "Yeah." And I said, "Well." Well, I'm going I'm to call police. We said, well, it ain't going to do no good because there was like 10 other people doing the same thing. And I said, did that happen all the time? She was like, Daddy, people are finding all kinds of ways of coping. Some people study. Some people uh, drink. And some people smoke weed. And some people pray. And I looked at her and I said, what are you doing? <laughs> She said, I'm praying. I said, good answer. (laughs) Brene Brown says this, we cannot selectively numb our emotions. When we numb the painful emotions, we also numb the positive emotions. If we're gonna be faithful, if we're gonna be all that God has called us to be, it really requires, it requires us to walk fully into every area of our life to be willing to feel discomfort so that we can feel the amazing joy of grace. So we can feel the amazing joy of grace. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this happen over and over and over again. How I've watched people come in and they come in numb and I watch them leave full of joy with amazing relationships with their children, with their wife, with those around them because they're willing to feel. Finally, finally, to deal with the addiction in our lives, to faithfully deal with the addiction in our lives, we must trust God and God's love no matter what. That we must trust and know that God's is love is with us no matter what. And that God is faithfully completing God's work in our life. That God is faithfully completing God's work in our lives. Let me just say something. God's going to have the last word Anyway. God's going to have the last word anyway. I, I don't care what the situation is. I, I, you know, just the 53 years that I've been alive, I've watched God have the last word over and over and over again. You know, I thought I had it all worked out. I was going to be an offensive line coach in the NFL. God said, no, he had the last word. But let me just say this God will have the last word, and God is ultimately working it out in our lives. And our work is to truly trust that God is doing that work, to trust that regardless of what breaks down, there will be a revival. Sometimes some stuff just has to break down. Sometimes there needs to have some relations that get cut off because if that doesn't leave, then there's no room for anything else to grow. Sometimes there needs to be a breakdown before a revival can come. But let me just say this. When you trust God, you will let everything break down and know that God will have the last word. Step 11 says this we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious our conscious contact with God praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out to sur- surrender ourselves is hard it's hard but it's necessary for our lives it's necessary if we're going to be the transformative people that God is calling us to be. Philippians 1:5-6 says this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If you come to celebrate recovery and You don't have to come to this Celebrate Recovery. If you do the work of recovery, I hope that you will know that God has the last word. And if you want to deal with the addiction in your life, whatever it is, trust me, God will transform you because God has the last word. At the end of every Celebrate Recovery, we have the serenity prayer. And I love the serenity prayer because it speaks to my heart as a codependent. I mean, it speaks to my heart. And I love, code. I, love, I love the serenity prayer because it's given me new language to deal with the hurts, habits, and hang-ups in my life. When, when Oklahoma was losing to Georgia, I remember I was like, I remember when Georgia scored that touchdown, I said, God! And then Cynthia looked at me and was like, grant me the serenity. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to say, but grant me the serenity. <laughs> But I love the serenity prayer for the language that it offers. And I want to share it with you. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy, reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. For me, a person who is struggling with codependent for me, a faithful believer who struggles with codependency, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next, is good news for me. You know, as I prepared this message, I thought, you know, about my own spiritual journey and where God. Had, has called me. And I thought, you know, about how early on in the ministry, how I had found myself. I, You know, I I accepted the call into ministry, and I threw myself wholeheartedly, all body, mind, spirit, and soul into ministry. And I found myself seven years later spent I found myself at the end of a marriage. I found myself struggling with divorce and trying to figure out how to be a single parent. I, I found myself struggling with pain and real questions about what ministry was about and why I was here. I remember I went and talked to a friend as I, as I was contemplating whether I should stay in ministry and just leave it all together and then go into coaching and she said, "You know, I have a good friend. She's a counselor over in Dallas and I think you ought to go see her. She's she works with pastors all the time. She says, "Why don't you go see her?" And I said, "Okay." And I remember I, you know, called her and then I got a meeting with her and as I started to to share with her where I was in my life and the brokenness that I felt and what I was going through, I started making the connections to where my codependency came from. As so I thought about my story and about both of my parents who were deaf and, and my role in my family system and as, as the oldest son and as I knew their vulnerabilities as deaf parents and, and what they Needed to be connected to the world, I knew that I needed to do everything that I could for my own survival and for their survival to serve them. And I learned codependency just through that own family system. And as I had talked about that and as I talked about how painful that was and, and how that had, and as I talked about what that was like, I saw that play itself out in my ministry, how I emptied myself and my desires and my dreams, all in an effort to not feel toxic shame and inadequacies and whatever it, the narratives that go on in our mind over and over again. And I remember as I worked through each story and peeled every level of pain, I remember I got to this point and she said to me, she said, Caesar, you know, all of this stuff, she said, all of this stuff is just saying to you, and what this is saying is that there, there is an invitation. And what God is saying to you and what God is saying to you is God is inviting you to do something different. This pain is inviting you to do something different. I don't know what it is that you're facing in your life. I don't know what it is that you're addicted to. I don't know what it is that you're using. I don't know what it is that you are putting in the place of trusting God. But here's what I want to say to you, and I hope you hear me, is that God will have the last word. God will transform your life. God will do it. I'm a living witness. I went through divorce. I went through all of that stuff. I questioned my ministry. And here I am today with my whole heart. With a beautiful wife who puts up with all of my stuff. Because God will have the last word. I hope. I hope that you will trust. I hope that you will trust God with your life, with all the stuff that we use to protect ourselves. Move it out of the way so that God can transform us. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your love. And We thank you that you're always with us. God, we pray that as we surrender our addictions, as we surrender all of the stuff that we are addicted to, to you, we ask that you would exchange it for your amazing grace, that you would give us your love, that you would give us love. Be with us this day. And then, God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.